nobody's held me prisoner, man. I, I, if I want to go in the studio or do what I want to do, I, I have my own laws. <laughs> it just has that feel like, you know, Morrison puked over there, Janice was doing this over there, someone Hendrix was hanging over here, you know, Neil Diamond was even hanging out over here, you know. And somebody threw a pig head up there on stage when we were playing. And I'm kicking this thing around, thinking this head is fake, right? It was a real pig head somebody threw on stage. That's what I remember about Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 32 of Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate twice-weekly classic rock podcast that proudly claims that my music is better than yours. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks, as always, for hitting play. Now, I've got another incredible guest lined up for you this week. It's a man that's lived the rock and roll lifestyle to its fullest. He was part of the rock and metal movement that came sprawling out of Los Angeles' absolutely iconic Sunset Strip of the 1980s. Hair metal, glam metal, glam rock, whatever you want to label it, the scene was unbelievable and it caught the attention in a decade of decadence undoubtedly helped by the boom of MTV, of course. Now, when you talk about that scene, you think of huge bands like Van Halen, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and today's guest sits right there with them. Four platinum-selling albums, 20 million records sold, and world tours to attest to that. I am, of course, talking about lead singer with the band Rat, Stephen Piercy. Now, I caught up with him just a few days ago, and he was on absolutely top form. Really busy right now, doing a load of different things that Rat fans are going to love. So here he is, the man himself. Stephen Piercy. Now, in music history, places and movements go hand in hand. 60s London with the mods and the blues. We've got 90s in Seattle with grunge. And undoubtedly, the 80s belonged to LA's Sunset Strip. It's iconic, if not more so, due to the exuberance, the flamboyance, the hedonistic nature, the personalities, and of course, the music. Now, I'm delighted to be joined by a man at the forefront of this scene who was part of it from the very beginning. And he's literally been there, seen it, and done it in every manner you could care to dream of. Four multi-platinum albums, 20 million-plus record sales, and a string of chart hits. That's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm delighted to welcome to Vintage Rock Pod the frontman from the band Rat, Stephen Piercy. Stephen, welcome to the show. Pleasure. How are you? I'm good, my man. I'm very good indeed. Thank you. Well, you joined us for, is it California? Yep. Cal- good old Cali. It's been really uh, nice out lately. You know, I don't, uh, like I, I was going to say, the gates are open, you know. It's nice to get out and trip around and, you know. Feel a bit of normality again. Yeah, correct, right? <laughs> it's been a long time, hasn't it? Absolutely. Oh, nobody's held me prisoner. Nobody's held me prisoner, man. I, if I want to go in the studio, <laughs> if I want to go in the studio or do what I want to do, I, I have my own laws. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Uh, now, before we start, I just want to say that if you've not read Sex, Drugs, Rat and Roll yet, then you need to get on it for, for your Stephen's Crazy Rock Stories. It's literally got it all. And I recommend you, everyone puts it on their Amazon list. Or better still, get to Stephen Pierce's website and order a copy from there because you can even get signed copies on there, can't you, Stephen? Yeah, sure. You know, I, it's about time you give back, man. Everybody uh, is... Uh, it's one thing to give, you know, to... Uh, uh, sell the shit but you know give something more man i throw all kinds of stuff in there it doesn't matter if there's an eight by ten or picks or whatever i'll throw it in there ah, good stuff and um that first book that did really really well it came out was it 2013 something like that is there any plans for a follow-up yes there is and i've been you know there's it's like every day every year is a new 
is a new adventure and it hasn't stopped yet. This rat, you know, I mean, look, we're not the most dysfunctional band, but we're pretty fucked up. Uh, so there, it's a never ending rat tale, so to speak. You know, I, I, uh, I just did a, a stream concert that the band rat, you know, wasn't pull it together for. And it was very cool. I did it at the whiskey and I had Bobby Blotzer, our drummer, come out and it was kind of a surprise jam, a couple tunes. So, you know, there's no end. So when the next book comes around, it'll be more involved, the less less of the, uh, you know, the three P's, a couple <laughs> you know the, the pussy party paycheck thing you know yeah absolutely you mentioned the, the the live stream gig there i mean iconic whiskey a go-go is just i mean we're in the uk and it's still iconic to us over here just listening to that name and and thinking of everything that went on and all the bands that have played there but just in terms of that live stream itself you, you said that you mentioned that uh, you played with bobby i mean how nice was it to hook up again with him it was great we haven't seen each other in years you know and it's it's just like, you know, seeing a brother, you know, I mean, look, we have spent so much time together, all of us, you know, uh, Robin, rest in peace, too. You know, uh, it just doesn't go away, that vibe that you can argue, fight. And, you know, the worst thing about a rock and roll band I've learned is the business aspect that is uh, a record business, you know, and uh, some people don't get into it like that. And you'll learn hard lessons, but the, you know, so be it. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Robin there. Just a, a quick special word then for someone else that we lost recently. I mean, Tony Katane sadly passed away a couple of weeks ago. Oh. I mean, among many other things, she famously appeared on your, the cover of your debut album and videos and your EP and things like that. It was, it was sad news, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I have a show or production for it's going to be a bit, it's called Backstage Past. And it's literally, you know, again, like I say, give back. You know, I'm sticking to that. The show is pretty much, you know, uh, uh, wanting to find out, you know, what legacy do you want to leave and, and to my guests? And it'll be a visual. It'll be a show, you know, a lot more involved. But, uh, you know, that's one of the things right there. You know, the history, Robin, Tawny, teenagers. I met them when they were teenagers, Robin. They lived together in a duplex down the street from my grandmother. Nobody knows this <laughs> shit, you know. Uh, so we've been friends for ages and Tony too, you know, Hey, we needed somebody for the cover. Bing. All right. We need some legs. We're going to throw some rats on there. <laughs> Live rats. She's a trooper, right? <laughs> How did she take to that? Uh, it was interesting. <laughs> you know, there is more to that story. You know, there really is that whole photo shoot that day was quite a production because real quick, we rented five rats at the end of the day. There were oh. six. Go figure. <laughs> you know. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? <laughs> How long was she with the rats? Oh, God, probably a few hours because we had to like really? scurry them up once we threw them on them because there's nowhere, you know, it wasn't like we were in a pen. We were in Neil Slow's hour mm -hmm. studio. <laughs> you know, there's like motorcycles, amps, this, that. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, go throw them on there. And then she did the cellar too. You know, that was a whole bigger production uh, with somebody else and, uh, pretty interesting, pretty interesting. Absolutely. Now, we all know you as the front man. I would say singer, but I've heard you say many times that you basically get on stage and yell at people. Well, yeah, yeah, that comes from, you know, some people say I sing, some people say, oh, look, I, I stumbled into this job singing anyway back in the day. You know, uh, I wanted to play guitar. Um, but, hey, 
somebody couldn't get the job done that I wanted to. So I said, I'll sing and play guitar. And so started Mickey Rat, you know, and which has a history in itself. Yeah. So I yell at people. I, I yell at you. I scream at you. I sing at you. But I do have one thing. There's one thing I do is have a great fucking time. You know, it's always way cool to get out there and get, you know, it's, it's like therapy or something. I don't know. It's just, it just feels good. You know, it's like earning a meal. Yeah. It's good for everyone. Absolutely. Uh, And you talk about kind of uh, an aspect of, of luck, I suppose you, you've tried out for the guitar and you ended up singing, but you you almost ended up in, in the motor racing business, didn't you? If it wasn't for an accident. Of course, if it wasn't for an accident, unfortunately, it took a year and a half to walk, learn, or, uh, I wouldn't be even in the music because um, somebody gave me a guitar. I wanted to race cars. I worked in a drag racing pit pit crew. Uh, I was gearing up to be a young driver guy in the uh, God or seventy one, you know, a bit ago. So somebody gave me a guitar, and you know, I, I just adapted very well right away you know absolutely and your early influences in terms of music i've heard you talk about led zeppelin before and the other obvious one is is eddie van halen and van halen you guys struck up a great friendship didn't you right from the the 70s right from the get-go i mean uh you know in san diego there's not you know we were a big band down there you know but you know my friends in la uh where i came from uh i was transplanted to san diego and got into music Mm -hmm. i still went up to la and my friends would say around 70, a uh, couple friends of mine, one in particular, kept going, you got to see this band. They're called Van Halen. I know you're playing guitar and stuff. They're a great band and they're going to insane. They're playing Gazaris, right? And uh, with the doors, Van Halen and Rat started. And, uh, and I missed them. And then he said, OK, they're playing at the Whiskey. And this was 1978, just right before the record came out. A, a little bit before and uh i went there by myself met dave by asking him if he wanted to smoke a joint backstage i got in i went right to ed and we had a friendship and he bought we'd buy trade equipment and talk and hang and i'd bring my friends up to his house and, and we became friends ever since you know it, i mean until you know it was on tommy passing but yeah, we were great friends, you know, and we only rat only did one show with Van Halen, which is crazy. Right. At least we only did one and it was a great one, a festival. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. What was it like watching Van Halen back in the early days then? Insane, because I'd go back to San Diego and tell my friends there is this band up there that is going to be the shit. I mean, look, I've seen Zeppelin a few times and. And these guys are going to be the shit. They're like Zeppelin. They're crazy. This guitar player, I know him. I met him. And they'd be like, yeah, sure, right? Yeah. And sure enough, the record comes out. Boom. And even better than that, they play uh, the San Diego Sports Arena. They chop it in half or moved it up a quarter ways and Van Halen played. And Ed calls me up. He goes, we're going to San Diego. We're doing the arena. I don't have enough gear, right? <laughs> so I get on the phone. I'm calling all my friends. My buddy's up here. He needs some equipment. Get your asses down to the sports arena. Bring any cab you got, preferably oranges or marshals. <laughs> <laughs> and we did. So and then the world became big rock Van Halen. You know, it was 
wow, there it is. But back then they played for keeps. And I learned a lot from them. You know, you get out there, you play for keeps, you know, have a good time, but play for keeps, you know. Hey, you're not perfect every night, but if you're having a good time, it's all that matters, you know. Absolutely. And now that Sunset Strip, it's famous to even us in the UK, as I said, and you think of the names of like the whiskey and the rainbow. It was riotous. It was crazy. And there'll never be another Sunset Strip of the 80s ever again, will there? Ever, ever. And it's a, it's a drag, but, you know, <laughs> that's just the way it is. It was like the 60s and the Doors, right? The Doors, 60s, whiskey. That's all relevant. It's crazy. Van Halen played the uh, the whiskey. I got an original poster uh, in my office where I'm at my studio right here. Wow. And uh, Alice Cooper's opening up for him. <laughs> and and I mean, look, everybody's played there. Priest, Zeppelin. I mean, you name it. And and to play there, it's it, it just has that that feel like you know uh, morrison puked over there janice was doing this over there someone hendrix was hanging over here you know uh neil diamond was even hanging out over here you know perfect did do you have a favorite venue there that you like playing or like visiting whiskey always mm-hmm. always it was gazari's because gazari has the same uh the same vibe as the whiskey when it was Gazari's with Bill Gazari. I mean, you had to earn your way in there. And I did. It was one of the first clubs I started playing in 1980 when I moved Mickey Rat to L.A. And same thing. Doors Van Halen and Rat. Whoever knows who played that place. I mean, it, it, even more uh, incredible history. And then they tore it down and did this and that. And there you go. At least the whiskey, they're keeping it there. Yeah. They're, it's, it should be a historic monument, actually. Yeah, over here in the UK, it'd have one of those blue plaques outside where famous people lived or, or came up uh, or brought up or something ha famous happened. You get these blue plaques in the UK. Yeah. That's what they should do with the whiskey. They should make like a rock, a new rock walk yeah. in front of uh, rock walking, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, stars yeah. or something and honor the, the 80s. The, the people who, who turned that place upside down in the 80s because a lot of them aren't with us, man, you know, unfortunately. Very sadly indeed. Now, uh, just talking on your music then, um, I mean, you, your first EP came out and it went in an absolute storm selling six figures. It's the sort of numbers that many bands can only dream of for, for albums. And mm -hmm. that led to a deal with Atlantic and your debut album and then out of the cellar. And that just absolutely shot you and the band into the stratosphere, didn't it? Yeah. And it's, you know, to be honest, and, and I said it even in that book, I think, and I say it sometimes now in conversation jokingly, is I don't remember a good four or five, four years Great. through the pinnacle of it all. I remember certain things, headlining Madison Square Garden, playing <laughs> Donington or doing this or doing that, getting these awards. And, and but uh, everything else is just a big blur, smear on the you know, chalkboard because it was Groundhog Day every fucking day, you know, and it was nice to pull out of that. And it was just fate that I stopped the band in 91 because that's when all that grunge supposedly poop started happening and it kept us out of the mix. We didn't have to try to prove ourselves and I went off and did something else, you know. But yeah, it's it's a crazy ride. And what do you remember of Donington then? You mentioned that over here in the UK. I mean, Donington's a huge name festival. Everyone knows about Donington and the history it's got. What do you remember of your time there? <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if I said this story. Uh, um, if somebody uh, 
you know, they accept you by throwing mud at you and shit, right? And, and if it's raining, whatever. So that means they love you, right? We're like, oh, okay, we can deal with that. And somebody threw a pig head up there on stage when we were playing. What? Besides rats and shit. And, and I'm kicking this thing around thinking this head is fake, right? It was a real pig head somebody threw on stage. That's what I remember about Donnie. <laughs> <laughs> and a big, big crowd, yes. you know, to where you went, holy shit, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> and by the way, really? we played, yeah, it, it's interesting because I think we played with Iron Maiden and, and stuff like that. It was pretty cool, you know? Yeah, always a brilliant lineup, wasn't there, on that festival? Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Now, Vintage Rock Pub, we like to hear about um, famous stories and things behind some of your hits. Now, obviously, Round Round is just absolutely huge, and it's, it's so well-known. It's back in the in the charts and stuff these days as well. I mean, do you remember what inspired you to write that song? Do you remember any of the recording process? I know you just said you, you struggled sure. to remember certain parts of the years around there, but do you remember much <laughs> about the story behind that song? Yeah, um, at the time, uh, I'm doing a, do- a rockumentary kind of a thing right now. It'll be out soon. It's a three-part series, and I actually take you around to where mickey rat started and rat and all this stuff and and i go back to this one bedroom apartment we had called rat mansion west right well that's where round and round was conceived because it, warren robin and i lived there in this one bedroom apartment with the crew with our gear <laughs> and people thought it was like a real mansion after clubs until they went there and went eh, okay <laughs> but anyway um yeah, the way that was written, it was written on two cassettes, bouncing track, bouncing uh, uh, what you played from cassette and then recording to the other cassette. And then you take that and then you put that in this thing and then you play what you're going to hear. It was written with two decks, flip flopping, trading this. It was trippy. And Warren Robin and I uh, just brainstormed it. I don't know who came up with the idea. Uh, you know, I just got jiggy with it there with the lyrics and robin i'm sure had an input there and 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 warren of course and next thing you know when we do get signed we were playing the song live and it wasn't quite where it was when bo got a hold of it bo hill the producer of a seller and uh when we did get signed they said well you're going to work with this guy bo hill well, Bo Hill had about six songs, and, and most of them were Mickey Rat songs, like directions like that, because the EP was all Mickey Rat. My songs late 70s. And he said, what is this song, Round and Round? And we're like, ah, we play it live. We don't know what's going on with it, you know. And, and he's like, well, this is going to be the first song we record. We're going to get into. There's something with this tune. And if it wasn't for Bo... There's something about this song because he was a brand new producer. He was a staff producer. Atlantic, Doug Morris, president of Atlantic, wouldn't let, wouldn't sign the band. <laughs> the story goes, even though he would, is unless Bo produced it. And the, the Bo tells a story, and, and it, it's probably true because we were these crazy five guys. Friends of Motley, Motley Rat, The Strip, you know, you got to go to California. He was from New York, never produced a band. He was a musician guy and songwriter. And uh, he pretty much took the reins and it was a certain way. Every record, you know, it didn't matter what we wrote, how we tried to change things. We had a schematic 
And and I still use it to this day, what Bo taught me. So yeah, what what do you remember about the first time you heard Round and Round when it was recorded and you got it all down? Did you just think, wow, this is a hit straight away? Nope, not at all. And it took a long time for that record to break. Don't kid yourself. It wasn't an overnight sensation. It, it, it took a lot of road work, you know, opening up for everybody and their mother, uh, you know, <laughs> first with ZZ and... And then with Ozzy, we toured the world pretty much with Ozzy after Motley Crue left their tour. And it, it took a while. And once it did, it got legs. It, it, it just blew up and it served us very well to this day. Now, um, throughout the rest of the decade, you continue to release hit albums and, I mean, Invasion of Your Privacy and Dancing on the Cover and, and Reach for the Sky. It all went platinum and you yeah. made no secret of the lifestyle you led back then. It was, it was wild, wasn't it? But yeah. To consistently put out a string of albums like that that just absolutely flew off the shelves is absolute testament to you guys and your musicianship and the songwriting ability that you had within the band. Maybe. It wasn't until we were just beat down that things got kind of tough, you know, because it was for a record. And I wish we had more time in between. Uh, that would have been great, but that didn't happen in the 80s. Once your band got legs, you were you were kicked and shoved out the door. <laughs> I just want to ask you as well about um, your, your current work. You, you're putting together a, a solo album, your sixth solo album, and I saw that it was going to be a double album because you've got that many songs written and that many good songs. I mean, can you tell us a bit about that, Stephen? Um, yeah, the, the, the double record came about, you know, so much time has passed since we started writing, Eric and I, uh, uh, my guitar player, co-writer guy, and most of my solo, he... Uh, it was so long ago and the record was done. We had the songs written like six months ago and that it was a year process. So since then I've been writing like a fool and, and <laughs> writing with him and all these new songs. So I figured let's do a double record and give it all you got. Just go in there, lay it down and say, here, this is what happens in two years when you're, when you, you know, you write tunes because they're, they're yep. way different there there's such a ebb and uh, it, it goes all over the place this record you can get you know our new bass player jerry uh, uh montana he, he he did time in uh 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 hell yeah you know he's more of an aggressive writer player so these songs could be real heavy heavy uh, or they could be rat sounding obviously if i write them and and uh i'm trying to take them outside i'm trying to do a lot of different things you know and it's going to be interesting because it's going to go all over the place. So good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And you say you're going to get in the studio at some point. Are you looking for an early release next year sort of thing? Yeah, it's been put off. Yeah, we're going to try to get through this year. I've got some things to take care of uh, uh, with uh, what the band Rat's going to do. And, you know, just on the move on other things projects and trying to get this docuseries out with uh, a side tv and then we go right into pre-production or production for backstage pass so we got a lot on our plate so we'll probably uh yeah next year and once i get in the studio i don't mess around it's one thing i learned from Bo hill is you make shit happen don't waste time and we don't you know i crack a whip <laughs> <laughs> best way to be best way to be yeah 
Stephen, it's been an absolute sure. pleasure chatting with you. And apologies again for the crazy internet situation, but uh, it's been a wonderful chat with you from uh, all the way from over in California, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, and to our fans out there, mine, much appreciated. And if you want to see what I'm doing, uh, official stephenpiercy.com and and it's all out there and and I'm still having a great time and it's it's a pleasure doing this, man. Thank you. Now, full disclosure, we had some mad technical difficulties midway, which meant we had to jump from the old days to today pretty sharpish. But he emailed me afterwards to say he really enjoyed the interview and I really enjoyed it too, to be honest. He's a really interesting and iconic figure in 80s rock, isn't he? Now, it's that time of the show to give you my favourite five songs from the band, just to get fans annoyed with me, of course. So here you go, my favourite five songs from Rat, according to Vintage Rock Pod. At five is a song from the 1986 album Dancing Undercover. Actually appeared in the Eddie Murphy movie Golden Child 2. It features a wicked guitar solo and rocks hard. At number five for me is Body Talk. Number four is another track from Dancing Undercover. The opening track, in fact, it has pretty much everything. Great vocal, hug, rhythm, guitar work, and quickly became a fan favourite. At four is Dance. My number three is from their latest album in 2010, Infestation. It rocks hard, but at the same time has a big sing-along chorus. It was a great return to form from the band. And number three for me is Eat Me Up Alive. At number two is the lead single from the second album, Invasion of Privacy, and features a kick-ass riff from Warren Demartini. And number two is Lay It Down. And at number one is from the debut album, Yes, It's Their Biggest Hit. Yes, it's the one that shot them into the mainstream but it did so for a reason. It's a great song, and it's still being heard in movies and TV commercials today, which helped it chart again in the US last summer thanks to a Geico commercial. It's also got a brilliant music video as well. The number one rat song, according to Vintage Rock Pod, is Round and Round. So there you go, my favourite five songs from Rat. As ever, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this list. Where do you agree? Where do you disagree? Drop me an email, vintagerockpod at gmail.com or message me on the socials. Just search for Vintage Rock Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and YouTube too. Give us a like or a follow on there as well. Now, last week's top five free songs drew quite a few comments, to be honest, just as I expected. The North American listeners were adamant that it had to be all right now at number one and nothing else in the case of Jim Odom, who replied with, I haven't heard of the other four. That's pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. Definitely check out the Freeback catalogue if you haven't done so already. Uh, whereas Andrew McNeil offered Heavy Load as a track that should have made the top five. Darren Catterall and Daryl Silver both said Hunter should have made the list, while Den Hayward just said, make it six and add my brother Jake to the list. That's one way of doing it. I love your comments like these, so keep sending them in to me. Please keep it up. And while we're here, quick mention to check out my website as well, vintagerockpod.com. And while you're there, you can join the ever-growing list of VRP VIPs who signed up for the once-weekly newsletter to make sure you don't miss out on any of the latest news and scoops from the world of Vintage Rock Pod. Also, don't forget, Vintage Rock Pod Side 2 comes out every Friday. Last week's show featured an interview with Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, lead singer with the band The Zombies, Colin Blundstone. If you've not yet listened, definitely do so. Side 2 is the companion show, which comes out every Friday. It's a magazine-style podcast. It's got, like, news and quizzes and various interviews on there. Loads of nostalgia to fill your classic rock needs. Well, that's it for this week's main show, then. I'll have another big-name guest for you next Monday. So until then... Remember, if you come across anyone who isn't a fan of rock, just tell them, my music is better than yours. Take care.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.